You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. You couldn't go anywhere in the world and get finer music than what you have right here. And boys, y'all don't, don't take that for granted. What a blessing. What a blessing. I thoroughly enjoyed the music of this church. And I bless you folks. It's been an encouragement to me. And thank you for coming back. What a crowd. I was nervous as I could be all afternoon. I didn't know you'd come back after this redneck from Alabama showed up out here in California. Amen. <laughs> and the finances. I appreciate a church's concern with the family and the finances. You know, I preached a lot about my dad Saturday night to the men. And one of the main things was, you know, my dad made a lot of mistakes. He got saved, uh, but fell out of church and church split and went back to the old lifestyle and stuff. But I, I told the men, you know what? We need to gain what we can that's good from everybody. I gained a lot of great things from my dad by character and integrity and finances. When I was 16 years old, my daddy sat me down and he taught me a budget. And at 16, I adopted that budget in my life. Now, almost 52 years old, I still live by that budget. Your pastor hit the nail on the head. It's not how much you make the problem. It's a spending problem. You let your eyes be bigger than your pocketbook. You get on that budget. You be content with what God has given you and live it. And I promise you, you'll never get yourself in a financial mess. Things will happen to where God will have to manifest himself in your life in a miracle and come through, and he will come through. Well, I'm not preaching on finances, but I just thought I'd throw that in. However, I am preaching on what we're doing is revival. Now, August the 21st of 1994, I got saved as a 25-year-old man. My wife and myself got saved that same day. I entered into revival that day and didn't even know it. I didn't even know what revival was. I couldn't tell you anything about revival, but something happened when God saved me. I went straight into this thing of Christianity. I've had everything the world had to offer, and I knew it was not right. I knew it was not real. And when I accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit moved into my heart, I couldn't prove it, but I knew something real had happened to me. I was a changed individual, and I'll never forget the first revival that I ever attended in our home church I literally cried like a little old baby that last night why because I was so hungry for the word of God and I, I hung on the edge of my seat listening to everything that the man of God was preaching I'll never forget it and it changed my life I didn't want it to stop I believe we ought to be hungry for what God has to give us your countenance tells a lot about you and your church membership and your church service I hate to tell you that, but it does. Are you hungry tonight? Do you feel like this church thing is a burden, an obligation, or is it an opportunity? You know, it's funny when God told Moses to come up on the mountain, he made a little statement. It's very humorous to me. He said, Moses, come up here and be here. 
Well, good night, man. If it comes up there, he is our God. I think you know that. No, 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 no. God said, come up here, son. Don't let your mind be wandering around. Don't let your heart be. I want your heart here. Come up here and be here. I beg you tonight as I preach to come in here and be here. Ask God what God can do for you personally tonight. Wife, what can God do for you personally tonight? Husband, what can God do for you personally tonight? Young person, God wants to do something to you personally tonight this thing of Christianity is so real let's turn our Bibles over to Nehemiah chapter 8 if we would Nehemiah chapter 8 and I pray and ask God what would God have me to preach on every man of God wants a peace and serenity about what he's going to preach on I was standing out there in the yard looking around and talking to brother Frank and Brother Brown, and looking at all the construction that's going on around here, and there's a lot of it, amen. Brother Rick, and running nuts and dealing with all the engineers and all the nonsense out here that they've thrown on him and turned his life upside down, but my mind went to Nehemiah chapter 8. You see, here the children of Israel, they came back home, praise God. They'd been in bondage for 70 years but now they come back home and they rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. A lot of building going around, but something happens when a lot of physical energy is given among God's people. It's not something that we want, but it's something that happens. It happens to me. It happens to your pastor. It happens to the men of this church. It happens to the women of the church because of the separation and dedication, because the work has to be done. We enter into a secular mind, not on purpose, but we do. We go and we work and we come to church and we listen to preaching and we uh, read our Bible. But there's a lot of work that has to go on out here. And I guarantee you because of all this work, there's some secular mind. Oh, you're not wicked. You're not bad. You're not out there sinning. You're not doing corruptive things. But let me tell you something. Your heart is not where it used to be. The work of the Lord has robbed you of some things and not on purpose. It's part of it. They realized that right here. And they needed revival. And thank God they got that revival in Nehemiah chapter 8 and chapter 9. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to preach a message with the help of the Lord and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I sure hope, on a recipe for revival. You see, recipe has ingredients in it. I've been in the welding industry for 35 years. I'm certified on just about every manual position and application that you can imagine in a field of welding. It's something that I've loved since I was a teenager. I'd get something in the professional world of the petrochemical industry called a procedure. No matter where I was welding at, I better follow that procedure. There's some reasons that that procedure is put in place. It's for safety for me. It's for safety for the people of that day. And it's for safety of people 50 and 60 years from now. And guess who's responsible? The one that you're looking at. I still can be sued for breaking procedures that I've welded 25 years ago if something goes wrong. That's how important my line of work was. It's the same thing with a procedure or a recipe of God. It's that important for us as individuals and families. 
Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible said, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and the women, and that all could hear with understanding. you got to love this. Listen, you got the men and the women. you got the kids that can understand here. Upon the first day of the seventh month, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. And we complained about 45 minutes of church, amen. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attended unto the book of the law. Verse 4, and Ezra the scribe stood up on a pulpit. This thing right here is real and it's biblical. Which they had made for the purpose. And go to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God. And all the people answered, Amen and Amen. There you are, it's biblical men. It is from the word of God to say amen. It's nothing but to say, hey, preacher, I'm not speaking tonight, but I'm saying amen. I agree with what you're saying, and I agree with the word of God. That's biblical from the word of God. And they're lifting up their hands, and they're bowing their heads, and they worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 1, now on the 20th and the 4th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. The seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers and they stood up in their place and read the book of the law of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day and the another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. We can find it all through the scriptures, Genesis to Revelations on revival. Before I jump into this message, I want to tell you right now, revival is independently owned. Everybody in this church can decide to stay out of revival and never enter into revival, but you, sir, you, ma'am, you, young person, it's your choice. You can enter in revival and you can stay in revival from here on out. It's your choice. Father, we sure do love you and we sure do thank you for everything. Lord, I don't know when I have felt so welcome among your people, God, and a pastor. Lord, the service is here. Thank you for the sweetness and the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. But here we are. This is what we came for, God. Lord, I know I need you. I need you more than I've ever needed you before in my life. I need you right now. I want to be under your leadership and your guidance, God. Blot oh, all the flesh out of the way, God. Have me to say the things that I should and nothing that I should not. Oh, God, please use me today that that one person is just about ready to throw the towel in, God, and whoever they are and wherever they are, God, I pray, Lord, you get a hold to them tonight and shake them and show them how much you love them. Oh, God, help us all tonight. Lord, let us be obedient tonight. Let us make some valuable decisions tonight. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. What is the recipe for revival? Number one, the people were as one. Now look at me in the first part of Nehemiah chapter 8. And notice the words, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man. You know what? You take one piece of paper and I can hand it to the smallest child in this congregation right here and say, rip it apart. That child will just tear it right apart. But I can hand them, anybody the strongest guy under the sound of my voice, this big thick book right here. And I say, tear it apart. You know what he can't do? He can't do 
good. Why? There's strength in numbers. Let me tell you, you come together and you put yourself together and you yoke yourself together as one man, one mind, one accord. I'm going to tell you something else. Fundamentalism is tearing itself apart across this nation because everybody's got some kind of stupid agenda and we've done got away from the word of God. The Bible said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. It's not about what Rob Hicks believes. It's not about what you believe. It's thus saith the Lord. In other words, why don't we just lose our cotton-picking mind, amen, and adopt the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And none of us is going to agree 100%. There's going to be disagreements out there in that construction. There's going to be disagreements right here among each other. There's going to be disagreements out there among each other. But why in the world can't we understand to agree to disagree with opinions? But when it comes to the old-fashioned Word of God and the old-fashioned religion, hey, we don't have any say-so. Let's just all agree that thus saith the Word of God tonight. Strength in one accord. They gathered themselves together as one man. They put all their differences aside. Me and Brother Brown get together. We don't talk about our differences. We don't talk about our disagreements. We talk about what we can do for Jesus Christ. Number two, the people magnified the word of God. You got to love this. They magnified the word of God. Notice there, still in verse 1 in Ezra the scribe. To bring the book of the law of Moses. Notice in verse 2. And all that could understand heard the word of God. Notice in verse 3 that they stayed from morning unto midday. They loved and magnified the word of God. You show me somebody that loves the word of God. I'll show you somebody that's in revival. That's the reason I shoot to the back door. Every time I want to pick them out. I want to know who they are. I want to know who comes up to me and said, Man, praise God. I'm saved and I love the Lord. Man, I love this old book right here. You know what? We just built a relationship. I talk fishing. I talk hunting. I love catching them big bass under them lily pads and shooting them big bucks man I love it I'm dead I love it but I don't care who I'm talking to in a matter of about five minutes I'm making a beeline to Christ I'm giving my testimony I'm talking about the word I'm sharing Jesus Christ why because that's what's inside of my soul you can't have revival without loving the word of God how do you treat it tonight Honestly, let's get down there where we live. Let's forget about we at church, man. We put on our religion and come on here, sigh a little tired, and come on. What about at home, huh? How is it? The Bible said we're the bride and he's the husband, huh? How you treat mama, sir? You quit communicating with mama? Huh? You work all week and you come in, don't say a cotton-picking thing to her, don't have a conversation with her, don't spend no time with her. I bet you don't get no gravy and biscuits by Thursday evening, brother. Oh, but that, oh, yeah, no, 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 you keep that relationship what, right. Oh, you keep that right. But we are the bride. He's the husband. The Bible said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hey, we married this book. He's the husband. Hey, what do we do? We get home. We get home from a meeting. You throw that thing out there on the counter right beside the refrigerator. 
Monday it stays there and the mail comes in. You throw that old junky nasty mail right on top of it. And then some other things get top, or it gets on top of it. And some, before you know it, you can't even see the Word of God. You got the living Word of God stuck up under some nonsense, sir. Is that the way we treat the husband? Is that the way we neglect him? I'm going to tell you something, friend. We've got to get back to the Word of God if we're going to have revival. It's the breath of God. Somebody that loves the Word of God is going to be in revival. Can't neglect the word of God. You gotta love the word of God. When it corrects you, do you get an attitude or do you have humility about it? Still corrects me all the time. You see, I don't live on my preaching. I can't live on my preaching. I'm preaching all the time. Let me tell you something. A preacher better be real, real careful. You get up here and preach all the time and you don't get no preaching, you get in trouble, son. Yeah. And I hit the airplane and I hit the vehicle and I'm riding through the middle of the night. Son, I got preaching going on in my ears. I downloaded, I bet you, I bet you 10 messages today. Why? Because Brother Rob Hicks needs preaching. I got to make decisions. I got to be cleaned up by the word of God. Bringing up preaching, here we go. Number three, a recipe for revival. The people centered themselves around preaching. Every great revival has biblical preaching from the Word of God. If you don't love preaching, you won't never be in revival. Preaching is the heart of revival. I'm going to tell you something. When I got saved, I got on fire. And I wanted to stay on fire. So I got a steady diet of preaching. And for 27 years, I've been on a steady diet of preaching. I love music. I love good music. Well, you've heard me say that. Man, I listened to music this afternoon, last night, this morning. But let me tell you something. Music is no substitution for preaching. You need ten times more preaching than what you do music. You've heard me say yesterday that preaching or this morning, I mean, music will put you in the presence of God faster than anything in the entire world. But preach, music won't change your life. I said music won't change your life. It is a purpose. It is a medicine. It is a suit. It is a transportation to the presence of Almighty God. Why do you think we always have music before the preaching? It prepares us for the preaching. But the preaching will change your and my life. God used preaching to expose me and show me that I was lost on my way to a devil's hell. God used preaching to save me, amen, to make that decision. God used preaching for me to accept the, the calling of the preaching of the gospel. God used preaching to rebuild my marriage, amen. God has used preaching in my life to clean me up over and over and over again. It keeps the fire burning in my soul. You see, preaching is like a liver. You can't live without a liver. You can get an arm cut off. You can get an eye poked out. You get a leg cut off. Man, you can lose some different organs. But you lose a liver and you're gone. Walter Payton, the greatest my book, running backs that's ever played in a professional realm of football. When he got a liver disease and couldn't be cured, he died a healthy man. What's that liver do? It's a filter. It filters out all the impurities in your body and my body. 
You take a D9 Caterpillar, multi, multi-million dollar piece of equipment. Man, I love diesel equipment. I love smelling diesel. I smelt that stuff for 30 years and fire them things up and I can run anything with tracks and wheels that burns diesel fuel. And but there's something on that piece of equipment that's a filter about this big round. Some of them's 15 and some of them's 50 bucks. Called an oil filter. If you don't change that thing and keep it clean, that multi-million dollar piece of equipment would turn into a pile of scrap iron. It is no different from you and I. You can't hobnot around out there in this world and mess around and miss church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and stay away from preaching of the Word of God and expect ever to be in revival in your life. You are going downhill, my friend. Your body, your mind, your heart, and your soul is becoming filthy with the world because the preaching is not filtering it out of your life. Not a philosopher, not a comedian, but a preacher. Number four, the people showed their revival with emotions. Boy, even in my time of being saved 27 years, we've left from an unbelievable state. I feel like a revival when I got saved to a dead, cold state of Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about drumming up emotions. I'm talking about real emotions. You see, I, I just happen to believe that if somebody as big as God lived on the side of me, then it's going to have something to do with my emotions. I'm not going to be able to control it all the time. Now, I'll tell you a little old funny story. You got to realize, before I got saved, I didn't want no part of the Bible, didn't want to hear the name Jesus, didn't want to be around no church people. I thought all church people were just a bunch of losers that had to yoke themselves together, pat each other on the back, and encourage each other to live for another week. Amen. I had everything that I needed. I didn't need nobody I thought. So when me and Lisa got saved, we come back to church that night. We come back to church that night. The pastor stood up before anything, a few songs there, and he said, uh, Anybody got a word for the Lord tonight? And I looked at that. I said, what is he talking about? The word for the Lord. I'm looking around. I hope I ain't supposed to say nothing. There's a new kid on the block. All of a sudden. Right over here to my left, a little short woman named Pearl Harmon. At that time, she was like 88 years old. And she was about this tall. Gray-haired and a little bonnet hair stuck up on her head, like a little wall's nest. And, uh, and, and she stood up. And she started giggling just a little bit before she even said anything. She said, <laughs> And she said, Brother Hodney. <laughs> she talked like this. She said, Brother Hodney. <laughs> and she laughed while she's talking. I said, Oh, Lord God. Oh, oh, I just want to tell you right now, Brother Hodden said, yeah, 51 years ago, Brother Hodden, right out here on this main highway, a, a preacher come to town, uh, and he put a tent up right out here, and we came to that meeting, uh, and he preached the word of God. <laughs> Brother Hodden, I got saved under that tent. Brother Hodden, God changed my life 51 years ago, and I'm still just as happy tonight as I've ever been in my life. And I said, woman, if this thing breaks out, I'm going to leave you sitting right here. I'm headed for the door. <laughs> and I sat right there. I sat there for 20 minutes. And I listened to God's people stand up in that church. 
They weren't bragging on nobody, each other, nothing. They were simply bragging on what God had done in their life. And I don't know what happened. My legs stood straight up. And I said, folks, I don't know anything about what's going on. But I know God saved me this morning. And I'm so thankful tonight that I am amongst you people. This is real. God is real. Thank you so much. We've lost that in America. People are proud, prideful, callous, cold, and content. It's dead and it's dry. I remember... Here a while back, I was traveling to Ohio to go deer hunting. I mean, man, I was war slap out. I've been on the road and just getting it, getting it, getting it. And I was going around the loop of Cincinnati, Ohio, and my old pickup truck. And I got around the bottom of that thing, and all of a sudden, I heard this awful whine. Oh, my soul, I know what that is. The rear end fixing to come out of this thing. And I, I started instantly complaining to God. I'm like, Lord, I just wanted to get away just a couple of days to, to just get out in the woods away from everything and everybody and just reset my mind and my heart and shoot a big old buck. And, and I, I'm not even going to make it there, Lord. And I pulled in there and got out, crawled up under that thing, and I reached up and laid my hands on it to pray on it. Woo! It took about three. I said, man, I better call Benny Hinn real quick. He's a lot better than that than I am. Some things you just really shouldn't say, you know. <laughs> but y'all leave them up to me. I'll say them anyway. My shoulders wasn't standing out straight like they are tonight. They would droop down. I was pouting. I'm not... I don't lie about it. God always told me, you better be transparent. You better be real to the people. I won't use you. I was pouting. I pulled across the road over there at Burger King. And I said, I'm going to get me a sandwich and let's see if this thing will cool off. See if I could just make it in. Maybe I can have it fixed. Whatever. I went in there and got me a sandwich and sat down. Sandwich in front of me and I began to pout, self-pity. Don't y'all look at me like that. Every one of y'all do that. You lying, you lying. I said, look, really, Lord? You control everything. I mean, I'm not asking for much. I don't pout out here traveling across the world. I don't do that. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm just wanting just a couple of days to get away. And I mean, this is going to end it right here. I mean, good night. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. The Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit. You know, thank God that Peter recognized the Holy Spirit when Christ was on. I'm going to tell you something. Realized and hadn't gotten so far away. You listen to the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit showed up right there. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit said, look at you. Evaluate yourself. You had a mirror sitting across you. Pay attention to yourself. I have changed your life. You was headed to a state penitentiary. You wasn't going to have a wife that loved you. You wasn't going to have children that loved you. And you dead sure wasn't going to have a, mi a ministry that I could use you. All these years, you're just sitting there like a little baby, whining and pouting and crying. I'll never forget that day. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, you're exactly right. I cannot believe I got my mind totally wrapped up on myself. And I, I said, Lord, I promise I'm just going to praise you from here on out. I'm going to praise you. I'm not going to whine. I'm not going to pout. I'm going to praise your name. And he said, well, go ahead. 
I said, you ain't talking about it in here, are you? <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I, I really see now, see. Oh, it, it's real easy for you to show up and like faith believers in the fundamental churches and preach and bow up your chest and, and yell and scream and all that. But see, you out of your element right here in Burger King, ain't you, huh? You ain't got all your uh, comrades and your buddies and your men's meeting. You, you alone, huh? Oh, man. Oh, man, all them teenagers back there behind the counter cooking them French fries and Whoppers. And, and man, there's a bunch of them up there cutting up, ordering. And, and there's about seven or eight old codgers and three da draft dodgers over here uh, having coffee. And then a whole other crowd of people in here. And, and I looked at them, and I looked at me, and I looked at them. And I just stood up right there, and I said, hey, hey. Look, I just want to ask a question in here. I, I just want to take a little poll right quick. And I just want to ask you something, folks. I said, uh, anybody that's under the sound of my voice in Burger King that would say that I am not ashamed of the gospel, well, I've been born again. I've been saved by the grace of Almighty God. Are there anybody under the sound of my voice? And son, it got as quiet as it was right here. I mean, kids were tired knocking over pans and everything, getting to the back of the cooking area back there. I mean, folks were scattering like I had an Uzi fixing to shoot up the joint. About 15 seconds went by, it felt like three hours. One of them old codgers said, Son, son, right out here, right out here a man came through town many years ago. And he had a revival meeting. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he changed my life. Before I got out of there, there were seven people that publicly testified that they were saved by the grace of God. I said, there's a remnant everywhere we go. These people on the media tell us that we're a minority. We're not a minority. We're a majority. The gospel has saved millions of people in this nation. I started leaving that place. And I walked outside. And the man pulled around in a like a BMW or a Mercedes, a multi-thousand dollar vehicle with tinted black windows. He pulled right up beside me. I didn't know if he was going to shoot me or what he was going to do. And he rolled that tinted window down, had on sunglasses. He pulled them glasses down with tears in his he said, sir, please don't ever stop doing what you do. America needs people that will share the gospel. I said, I promise I won't. We've gotten away from allowing the Spirit of God to emotionally move us. Listen to me, I'm against fake and fraud and phoniness as much as anybody. I, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I'm not talking about rolling around here on the floor like a roach sprayed with raid or a catfish out of water. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you as God's child. To allow that Holy Spirit to stir you up inside. And if he's in there, he will stir you up. If you're trying to stir yourself up, maybe he's never entered into your life. Maybe you're sitting here lost as you can be trying to fit in into a true Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. You can't hide true emotions of God Almighty. Number five, what's the recipe of revival? The people separated themselves from wrong 
and from wrongdoing. Nehemiah 9, 2, and the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers. It's so excited to see people to get saved, but it's very sad to see them go back into the world. I didn't know it. Nobody told me. But I am so thankful that we separated ourselves the day that we got saved. I think it was the greatest thing that we ever did. Nobody explained that. We walked up to our home, walked up to our little old single wide trailer, and I said, baby, this trailer is full of filth. It's full of sin. It's full of wickedness. I don't know anything about this Christianity, but I know there's a lot of stuff wrong on the other side of that door. Now, you and I are going in here, and we're going to do the best of our ability to get every bit of it out, clean it up, and throw it away. $5,000 worth of music CDs that wouldn't be pleasant to God got burned in a barrel right outside of that home. Magazines and movies and I could go on and on and on. Drugs and liquor and the rock and roll and country and all of that nonsense. Oh, we wanted to separate ourselves. Why? We didn't want your temptation. So many people wrestle with two things in their life. They want to live for God. They want to walk with God. But they have the pull of the world. Good night, the life that we came from. I mean, my soul, man, I, I, I'm not proud of who I was, but just a, just a drunkard, a drug addict, on my way to the pen and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I was uptown. I was uptown one night, and man, I don't even want to tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I was up there with faded out blue jeans on, no shirt. Man, I'm showing off all them abs. I would do it tonight, but my humility keeps me from doing it. <laughs> Earrings all in my ear. Bandana down on my head to my eyebrows. Man, I thought I was God's gift to society. I was God's gift to stupidity. <laughs> I was looking for a wife. I saw the most beautiful young lady walk across the road I've ever seen in my life. Man, I bumped my buddy over there and I said, I'm going to marry that gal right there. He busted out laughing. You got to understand one thing you don't do, you do not laugh at a redneck. Because he will prove you wrong one way or another if you laugh at him. I didn't say a word. I just got out of my vehicle. I saw her get into another vehicle. I'd never met her before in my entire life. She got in the passenger side. I walked down through the parking lot there. I looked in the back window of that vehicle. I saw the keys in the ignition. I saw a four in the floor. And I slid down through there like I was going to get one of them shopping buggies. And I snatched that door open and jumped in the driver's seat, fired that car up, popped the clutch, and took off down the highway. And she's a yelling and a screaming, What are you doing? Who in the devil are you? Get out of this car! take me back. I said, look, honey, I want to tell you right now, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to get to know you. <laughs> By that time, I had hit the main highway at 60 mile an hour. I wasn't worried about her jumping out there. I was gone. She said, you take me back right now. Where you got me? I said, look, I'll take you back if you promise to go out with me. I don't even know you. I said, I don't care. Just promise you'll go out with me. Long story short, I got a date with that gal. She's the mama of my four boys and we're finna celebrate 30 years of marriage. Now, young people, I am not here teaching on courtship.
But I'm trying to tell you tonight that I don't care who you are, where you're from. If you let God move in and take over your life, He'll turn your life around. But get the junk out of your life. Right now, if you went by the way of the grave, what's your kids going to find in your house? You ever thought about mom and dad? Somebody's going to have to clean out your junk. Huh? Set up in here. That preaching time now, I'm here for a revival. You realize your kid's going to come over your house, going to clean out all your junk? What are they going to find? If they go through that computer and look at all that, what are they going to find tonight? What is in your life that needs to be cleaned up and separated for the glory of God? By the way, young person, God forbid, but it happens all the time, and I'm not here to scare you to death, but what if something happened to you? Mom and dad's going to clean your stuff out. And they think you some kind of individual that comes to church and loves God, I've seen moms and dads' lives turned upside down when they cleaned out their teenagers' belongings. They separated themselves. The people repented and confessed their sins. Chapter 9, 1 through 3, now and 24th day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and earth upon them and the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers that should and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read the book of the law of their God one fourth part of the day. Another fourth part they confessed. That means it took a little while to confess, didn't it? These little old trips of three minutes down here at the altar ain't getting it. It's not happening. Took a fourth part of the day for them to get cleaned up. I don't think we're any different. I don't think you can do all your cleaning at the house of God. I think we have to do it at home. Yes, this altar's for us. Everyone, you, when do you go, Brother Rob? I start going when I think I ought not go. When I get too proud to think I ought not go, that's when I start going. I'll tell you some things right now that I, I, I don't like saying, but it's the truth. I don't ever hear other, other preachers say it, but I don't, I don't really give a rip. No way. I ain't here for you money. I, I ain't here for any of that. I mean, I could work a job and make money and take care of my family if I wanted to. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I love the Word of God. I'm here because I want to help people get closer to God. I quit lying when I got saved. And I'm going to tell you something, buddy. People lie like the devil. They lie in church. Deacon lies. Preachers lie. I mean, uh, church members lie. College professors lie. I can go on and on and on. A bunch of liars in this world. I don't know how you lie with the Holy Ghost of God living inside of you. I don't understand that. Buddy, I was sold out, called to preach. I was in Bible college, and we was traveling back home. And you've heard me talk about my son with autism. <coughs> he was about three and a half three and a half years old, maybe something, four, something like that. Traveling through the night, I was wore out, tired, so we stopped about an hour and a half, that last exit on 65 before you get back to Crown Point. Stopped right there and went to the restroom. And so uh, it was just me and Hunter went in and come back out, got in the car, going down the road about two miles down the road. My wife had the audacity to ask me. She said, did you wash Hunter's hands? And I'm thinking, I mean, kids play out in the stalls in the barn and run their hands through all that stuff with the horses and cows and men and wipe their mouth. And, and you want to ask me, did I wash my kid's hand? Yeah, I washed his hands. 
I never felt pain like that since I've been saved. I felt like I couldn't breathe. But the pride overpressed the pain. I didn't wash his hands. I couldn't believe I told a lie. Some of y'all might be giggling under your face and saying, Good night, Brother Rob. Big deal. A little white lie. Ain't going to hurt nobody. I mean, nobody would know. Nobody would think anything. What in the big deal about that? We got home. It was kind of silent. and Everybody getting ready for bed and put Hunter to bed. And she and I went to our bedroom and laid down. Got in the bed. Man, the Holy Ghost conviction was so strong in my life. And I turned over and I said, listen, I'm so sorry. I lied to you right when we left that place. I said, I swear that I've never lied before and I'll never lie again for the rest of my life. God has ripped my life apart. Will you forgive me? People laugh and mock at that, but I'm going to tell you what would have happened to Rob Hicks. That next lie would have been a little bigger and a little easier. And that next lie after that would have been a little bigger and a little easier. How do you know that? Because I've lived in Christianity now for 25 years, and I actually deal with people that will lie to me, and I know that they're lying to me, and they are lying in a constant basis in the Christian realm, and they don't even realize it. And my mind goes back to where God put me that night, and the Lord says, that is you, sir, if you wouldn't have took care of that. A lie is a lie. It doesn't matter if it's a big lie, a little lie, still a lie. Confess it. Yes, it washes us clean. I learned two major, major, major lessons in my days of college about pride. And I'm going to confess them today. And one time, I come home. You know, me and the wives will really help you, I'm telling you, boy. They'll call you out in a second. Mine will. I don't have a little timid, uh, little anemic wife. She got some grit about her, amen. I come in, I said, I ran all these Christians working in the workplace and uh, uh, using the profanity and cussing and all that, calling themselves Christians. I, I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't see how in the world somebody cuss and use all them words and everything. And, and, and you know how they got away about themselves, you know. Hey, be careful, big boy. Pride go up before a fall. I said, woman. I said six cuss words since I've been saved. Six cuss words. I can, I can, I can count them. I know it. I, it's over with. It's gone. It's done. Okay? The last one was years before that. Be careful, big boy. Pride go up before a fall. I said, you're crazy. I went in there. Now, you got to realize me and my wife cut up all the time. You around us, man, you wouldn't even think we were saved. I'm guaranteeing you, man. We have a ball with each other. So that night... God's honest truth. God teaching me a very valuable lesson about who I was and who was in control of what I did. We were laying in the bed carrying the conversation on. Nobody's mad. Nobody's upset talking. And I'm looking at her through, you know, a dim light there and telling her a story. And a four-letter cuss word rolled off my tongue. As a preacher of the gospel, and she said, oh. <laughs> it wasn't funny. We laughing tonight. But as much fear came over my life 
when I lied. I was in no control. God showed me that I was in no control. I would never say a cuss word. I mean, no way. You couldn't beat me in the head and make me say a cuss word. And it so smoothly slipped off my tongue. I didn't say a word to her. I rolled off my bed. I got on my hands and my knees and I crawled into my office. And I wept on my face before God, begging him, why? Because I was a preacher. You realize how fast I preach? I preach faster than I can think, folks. The great fear of the, 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 the corruption that was in my mind and my heart of thinking that if I ever did anything like that public, that it would shut my entire ministry down. And I begged God that night. I'll never say it was me. I'll never say I was controlled. I'll never take credit for any of it at all. Please control me, God. It was not me. It was you that cleaned my mouth up. Yes, I had the will. Yes, I had the gumption to do something. But without you doing it, it couldn't be done. Now, very few people will tell you something like that, but I'm telling you something about it because we're all on the same ground, folks. God don't think no more of any preacher than he does you. We're just called. We're called to be that individual. We're all level. We're all on the same ground. We need to be real. We need to be true. We need to be transparent. I listen to so many preachers that I sit in a congregation and say, I can never live like that. I can never have that life. I can never do that in my marriage. I can never reach the point. Hogwash, you're not being honest with me. Confession. And you walk away clean, clean. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I'm having a real good time. We got my preaching too long. If anybody needs to leave and take a break, you can go ahead right now. I won't get upset. I just call your name for it while you're walking. Number seven, I'm almost done. I only have 14 more. I'll hurry. No, really. This is it. Number seven, the people wept. Several times throughout the scriptures, people wept as they rejoice and they wept as they confess. Weeping and crying is okay. Now, sir, if you're one of them individuals that just weep and cry and pout all the time because things don't go your way, please don't think this is what I'm talking about. Don't even shake my hand after the service because I'm scared to touch the palm of your hand. I'm talking about you men and you ladies. That in, you enter into a realm of a certain amount of pressure that only you and God know about it. You don't run around and pout about it to everybody else. It's something that's shared between you and God. You see out here, there's no doubt. In Northern California, I've learned a lot real quick. It gets hot out here. And if you took an aerosol spray can and set it right out there in the middle of that asphalt, I'll guarantee you probably by the end of the day, you're going to see the paint start cracking on the outside of that can. You're going to see it expanding. And if you're not careful and do something about it, and somebody walk by, some kid comes close to it, it's going to explode and somebody can get really hurt. But if you simply go out there 
after it starts expanding and push a little simple valve on top of it. All of a sudden, all the pressure is released and everybody's okay. Folks, so many things happen in our lives that we don't understand and we don't have to understand. But the Bible said that God bottles up every single tear. Something about that when we get heaven, we're going to rejoice about it. What are you talking about? Sir, it's okay. It's okay, but you get on the back side of nowhere because one of these days, if you don't, you're going to totally explode. You're going to end up hurting your wife, your children, your family if you hold all that pressure in your life. So get out there on the back side of nowhere and release everything to God. And I promise you, things will be a lot better. Ma'am, a lot of pressure comes. Won't you just let God reach down from heaven and push that valve in your life and just let him release that pressure and give you what you need to keep on keeping on. I didn't understand the life of Hunter and Lisa with cancer and my accident, what was going on. But I did know that I had to get on the backside of nowhere and get with God and allow him to push that valve. Let me ask you something. Tonight is this church, is the people as one? Are you on one accord tonight? Are there somebody under the sound of my voice that you got to alt with? There's something that you can do about it. You can go to them in love and humility, and you sit down in the right spirit, and I promise you, you can work it out. I promise you, based on the scriptures, you can work it out. And you can put that behind you, and you can move forward for the glory of God. Are we magnifying the word of God in our heart? I'm not, I'm not talking about the pastor up here leading this church and standing behind it. I'm talking about you. Are you magnifying the word of God? Are we centering ourselves around preaching? Are we showing our revival with emotions? Will we allow the spirit of God to control our emotions are we separating ourselves from wrong and wrongdoing? Are we confessing and repenting from our sins? Do we weep when it's a necessary time? Let's evaluate ourselves tonight. Now, that's a recipe. There's many of them in the Bible. But ladies, let me focus on you just for a minute. Y'all have these little old, uh, y'all call them potlucks out here, is that what y'all call them? You get together in the fellowship hall and all y'all put together your favorite dish and you hope and pray to God everybody's going to rave on it and say, Lord, have mercy, that's so good. And then when somebody does, you slip around and you say, hey, I'm going to be cooking something for our family and I, can I have that recipe? I really want that recipe. And what if they say, uh, well, you know what? I'll give you just about all of it. Oh, and it don't work like that. No, we want the real thing. We want it exactly like we had it, right? We don't want nothing to change. That's right. I get on to my wife all the time. Baby, this chili is unbelievable. For 30 years I did this. It's, it's the greatest chili. Did you write it down? No, baby. I just throwed it in there. Are you nuts? You can't duplicate this. This is a one in one time only. You don't even know what you put in it. Come on, 
Good night. I smoke meat, barbecue. I mean, I write everything down. When it's right, I know it's right, and I could duplicate it every time. I don't care. I ain't got time for that. Y'all want supper? You want duplication? <laughs> well, I like to eat. I just take my chances. Amen. <laughs> well, we do like to, you know, cook for people and such as that. We had to, a couple of friends to come over. We hadn't saw forever. And so they came over, and man, I, I cooked some ribeye steaks, and boy, I put them on the grill, and man, put the famous mm, marinade on there. And got all that marbling fat. I don't know about y'all, but I love that fat. Y'all ain't healthy out here in California, though. Y'all ain't like us Southerners. We, we are awful, man. We, the more fat on it, the better it is, praise God. Amen. Cutting that thing. Boy, y'all just seen me. was just, man, good night, slobbering all over the place. It was almost embarrassing, I said. Y'all ready for the dessert? Oh, yeah. My wife made a signature cheesecake. Man, she makes a cheesecake that's incredible. She brought that big old cheesecake out and put it on the table. Everybody's oohing and on. And, of course, she cut that first piece and laid it over on my plate so I could test it out, make sure it was safe for everybody else to eat. And I just picked that fork up and slid it right down through that cheesecake and pop that crust on the bottom, amen. I come up real slow. I couldn't wait. My mind, man, my mouth was watering. My mind knew what it was going to be like. And I just took it and slid it off the floor, mashed it down in my mouth. My eyes bugged out. And I said, what? And the devil is wrong with this cheesecake. It tastes like sheetrock mud. And she said, oh, my soul, I forgot the sugar. <laughs> so the moral of that story is I preached to you a recipe of revival. You might have already been grading yourself spiritually. Saying, Brother Rob, I made a 90 on that thing. 90's an A in school. Nobody frowned on a 90 because it looks really good. But when it comes to your life and revival and cheesecake, it can be a total disaster. Now, you're going to look at the recipe tonight and say a 90's okay? Or are you going to be like you would to your girlfriend and say, I want the whole recipe just like you made it. Don't you deviate from anything. Ma'am, i got to shut down. Could you make your way to this instrument? It's, it's time to give an invitation. Please don't allow Satan Please don't allow Satan to get you to do anything that God don't want you to do tonight. God wants everybody under the sound of my voice to be in revival. Everybody. And you can be. Please don't be reserved when it comes to the leadership of the Spirit of God. If this is an... Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.